0: values that particularly express a motivation to care for people close to us, those are usually held among the most important values to most people in most societies. So kind of across the board, fairly universal, most people value, you know, kind of guiding principles that lead us towards caring for people who are close to us, which is really interesting. And then in contrast, Values that express a motivation to dominate or control others are among the least important values to most people in most societies. There's a some evolutionary theories behind this that we're going to get into later, but I thought that was interesting and helps to restore my faith in humanity at hmm. least a tiny bit to know <laughs> that generally across the board, we're more motivated by wanting to help others and care for others than we are by wanting to dominate others. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad yeah. to hear
1: that.
2: On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about values. Our personal values and our relationship values are what help us to know what's important and to make the best choices in challenging situations. Today, we're going to talk about the research on personal values, how we develop our values, and some exercises for figuring out exactly what your values are.
0: So why would one wish to talk about (laughs) values other than... This has been an episode idea that we've had at Multi-Amory for no less than three years. Actually, we really have. It's been on our Trello board for a long time. I don't even know what the initial impetus was for putting that as a potential topic, but it's been there for a long time. However, if we think back to episode 312, not too long ago, that was on psychological flexibility, if you recall part of the psychological flexibility triangle is do what matters which boils down to essentially taking committed action based on your personal values and i remember in the research i specifically found this phrase that lacking clarity of one's values may entail a more more rigid rule governed or avoidant behavior so i remember reading that and be like oh gosh it's important well, i don't want to have a rigid rule governed or avoidant life i got to know my it's values true. but how do I know my values and hence there was more of a fire under my ass to be like I got to figure this out. Got yeah, to figure out how to find values.
1: Exactly. I'm interested also to know like what even that means. Like it's kind of an amorphous idea. Like what are your values? Well, I don't mm. know. What do you mean? Like what do you mean I what do I value in life? Like what are my values globally? What are my values for like the trajectory of where I'm going? Like what does yeah. that mean? Yeah, yeah, sometimes
0: I think we confuse it also with what are my Goals. What's most important Mm. to me? What do I like? What are my preferences? What are my boundaries? Like it can all kind of end up in the soup.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. For sure. And then even outside of psychological flexibility, knowing what your values are is important to helping us make good choices when we're in new, unknown, or confusing situations in life. Something that I've talked about on the show before is this concept of buoys. And so I was thinking before starting this episode, kind of what would be a good example of this? But essentially the idea of, right, buoys floating out in the water. It's that even if the water is real choppy or you're exploring a part you haven't seen before, as long as you can see, okay, there's a buoy over there and there's one over there, you can roughly know where you are in relation to those, how far you are toward safety versus if you're going into danger. And this would maybe be something like, If I have a value, like one of my buoys would be something like I don't like it's a value of mine that I would never ask a partner to stop seeing someone else like that. I wouldn't try to to cut off their relationship with someone else.
0: Maybe that's what, like autonomy of yourself and others? Hmm. If we were just going to try to put a label on it?
2: Okay, sure. Yeah, I was just thinking of like that as a buoy. Like that's an example of something that I believe in that's based on values and stuff like that. And then if I'm in a situation that's maybe a little more gray, where I have a a partner who's being really hurtful to me because of something having to do with another partner, that I sort of have that buoy to go, well, okay, okay. I know that that's sort of a limit of, I don't want to cross that. That's where my values are. And I'm over here in this choppy water, kind of close to that. But if I start thinking, well, what if I did this? It's like, mm, that's a little too close to that buoy that I've marked as dangerous or you know, hmm. outside of my values versus over here. like Maybe I can find something that is a better way of communicating that more directly with my partner and exercising more autonomy of myself and my boundaries rather than trying to exert power over their other relationships. Just as a rough example of kind of how the, the buoy idea works is it kind of gives you this touch point of that's something I want to stay away from, or this is something that I am comfortable with.
0: So sort of your guideposts as it yeah. were. I'm, yeah. I'm surprised that this is a metaphor that you've come up with, even though I love it because you're someone who keeps like, being on water. <laughs> That's on water way. is
2: fine. You keep misunderstanding. Just not this. in it.
0: Just not in it. Yeah. He hates being in it. Right.
2: I'm fine being on water, being on boats, being at the beach. Totally boat's fine. Boats. Drinking water, having water inside <laughs> me, also totally fine. Me being inside the water is the one that I don't love as much.
1: Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. All right. So knowing your values can help with things like tricky situations or tough questions, big decisions. Things like, uh, should I stay in this relationship? Should I put my foot down, or is it okay to compromise here? Should I just switch my job or my career completely? Should I stick with what's tried and true, or should I branch out and try something completely new and different? And how do I do the right thing, even when it's super hard, super challenging? Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are these are a lot of tough questions that really come up a lot in life, and especially at like those very pivotal moments in our lives and having an idea of what one's values are what your personal values are can really help you in determining these questions i love it so do you know true values <laughs> or i don't know
0: do you
2: put another way <laughs> What does values even mean?
0: I mean what, what
2: are
1: values?
0: I, I feel like I have to explain the to you new, to the, the true values thing. Basically, there's there's a store in Japan that Jason and I went into. Oh, there's okay. a chain of stores, and and their tagline is in English, not in Japanese. Their tagline is to you who know true values. Got <laughs> and it. And so okay, when so I was writing right. this episode, it just came out in my brain so many times that and to the point where I even Googled it on like the Japanese side of Google to be like, can I find which store it was? And yes, I found the store and they have even an FAQ on their site in Japanese for people being like, what does this English phrase mean? And And what do they think it means? Just that, like the the Japanese translation is pretty on the nose to you who know true values. When I read it in Japanese, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. It doesn't sound weird in English. It, it sounds, sounds weird, odd. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. But that's
2: a different. Those are those are more like uh, values or deals, right? Mm-hmm. So we're, we've yes. switched that a little bit. So so let's <laughs> talk about knowing true definitions of personal values or relationship values or whatever you want to call it.
0: Well, yeah, I know these terms get bandied about a lot: personal values, or relationship values, or ethical non-monogamy values for instance. So when I hear it, the first place my mind goes to is thinking about just what's important. What are the pillars? What are the Mm. tenets of a particular philosophy or faith or community? Like, what are the pillars of the earth, as it were?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting because that's kind of community-oriented versus, like, personal-oriented, which, yeah, when I think about, like, somebody who's in more traditional relationships talking about their values, like maybe they're fairly religious and it's like, you know, my values like with God or religion are very important to me. I feel like I've heard that from people that I've spoken oh, to.
0: Yeah. I guess we also have Christian values, family values, yeah, family
1: values. Like what is family right. values even mean? Is that That's just a good like, question? I value having kids because <laughs> I am moving my, you know, it, line forward or something
2: mm. it's also an interesting question because when i think about values usually what comes to mind is just like you know i value honesty or i value yeah you know following through on what you say you're going to do but then it could also be something much more specific and precise if it's like your relationship values of right like i Value communicating in this particular way or doing or not doing this certain thing in my relationships. And then how that might change if you were to transition from monogamy to non monogamy or vice versa of, Mm -hmm. okay, now what, which values might be changing versus which ones stay the same? Maybe I had these values all along and I found a way that fits them better. Like it just, it can really. It's interesting because it really can cover this broad range from these very general things to very specific things.
0: Yeah, it was initially a little hard to research this topic because the act of determining your values or being told which values somebody else thinks that you should have. Mm. That's the basis for a lot of religion, for a lot of self-help stuff, for new mm-hmm. agey stuff, for for, you know, gurus out there. So the definition of values and also people's opinions on the best way to determine your values or the best values to have is pretty subjective. But what I did is, you know, we pulled A couple different definitions that I really liked, and I I don't think that we can necessarily come up with like one solid definition, but I think between these three, we'll probably cover our bases. So this first one is from Indeed.com. The most basic definition of values is that they are a set of beliefs or opinions that influence how you live your life. They are ideas that are important to you and personally characterize who you are as an individual. Values play an important role in shaping how you respond to situations and how you set goals.
1: So here's another one from mindtools.com. Your values are the things that you believe are important in the way that you live and work. They should determine your priorities. And deep down, they're probably the measures you use to tell if your life is turning out the way you want it to. <laughs> That's an interesting one. It's interesting. I mean, I
0: don't think it's wrong. Well, because yeah, that first I one, right. too,
2: is a little more focused on kind of inside out how you make decisions. And that second one also mm-hmm. is then how do you evaluate your own life too? kind of yeah. coming back around the other way? And this last definition is from a meta-analysis of many, many studies published in the research journal Nature Human Behavior, which we'll be diving into a lot more in-depth later in the episode. And that is, personal values are defined as broad, trans-situational, desirable goals that serve as guiding principles in people's lives. Values refer to what is good and worthy.
0: I really like that last bit, but really condensing it. It refers to that, just like what's good and worthy and how, how the things that we find good and worthy motivate us to live our lives and who we want to be as human beings.
2: Yeah, I love that. Some other facets of values is that we can have social or cultural values associated with small or large communities that we grew up in or religious organizations or even just like the workplace values that we might have where we work. And there can be values that are held within the mini-culture of a family or a relationship, just a a little two-person mini-culture there as well, and that values generally stay stable throughout our lives. That doesn't mean that they don't ever change or that they're entirely rigid, but they tend to be pretty stable throughout our lives, kind of similar to boundaries, which we've talked about before, where maybe those could change a little bit, but it tends to be something a little more Static as opposed to goals, which could be changing much more rapidly all the time.
1: I do like this idea of figuring out your values so that like life isn't happening to you, but you are Mm. creating the life that you want to live, which is really interesting because I definitely sometimes I'm like, well, I'm just kind of along for the ride. But (laughs) if you determine your values, then maybe you can take like ownership to a degree in your life in a certain way. I don't I know. I think it's
0: a little bit of both because I think yeah. in life, yeah, there's a certain amount of just being along for the ride that we, we can't control. Yeah, just kind of a we <laughs> that we can't control, but yeah. then our values help us out in situations where we do have more control or more decision-making power or, yeah, I guess maybe when we're in a position of more empowerment.
1: Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're going to talk about some research A.K.A. the Circus of Values. <laughs> you wrote that down, Denninger. Yeah, that's a like Bioshock
0: it. reference for all y'all out uh, there. Yes, and this this Love was it. a
2: funny one where. I said this to Dedeker at some point that like my friend Steve and I used to often say to each other, welcome to the circus of values, (laughs) which is the line from Bioshock from the game. And I told that to Dedeker and she was like, oh, my God, Alex says that all the time, too. So apparently. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Apparently Dedeker is surrounded by a circus of values all the time.
1: Yeah. It's a phrase that haunts me. (laughs) Yeah. These gentlemen that love the circus of values. All right. So we're going to dive into this research study that was published in 2017 in the scientific journal Nature Human Behavior. So, yeah. You oh, just that's the one from
2: before. Yes. From
1: nature. Yes. Yeah, so It's exactly. the same, same one. Here same meta-analysis. Analysis. Okay. All right. Yes. Cool. Yeah. So in this survey, the researchers compiled and organized the findings from over 100 different studies on values conducted within the last 20 years. And then they also attempted to take a cross-cultural perspective to try to focus on what were the universal traits in social and individual values.
2: Yeah, they found a lot of interesting stuff, far more than we will cover in this episode, but here are some important ones that we picked out. First, we tend to hold values as both being very desirable and very important. So people see their values as closer to their ideal self than they see their personality traits. And they generally wish to modify values to a lesser extent than they wish to modify their own personality traits to fit the values. Kind of a sense mm. of like, the values are the ones we value the most. Got <laughs> What it. a circus. Welcome to the circus of values, people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next one is, uh, as humans, we tend to order our values into hierarchies. So some values are extremely important, others moderately important, some only a little bit important. And that a higher value in the hierarchy, or the higher a value is in the hierarchy, the more motivated the person is to rely on this value as one of those signposts or a buoy or sort of a guiding principle in their life.
0: And they also found that there are similarities between the value hierarchies of most people that Mm. generally our personal values are similar to each other much more than they are different between individuals. So they found that, you know, values that particularly express a motivation to care for people close to us those are usually held among the most important values to most people in most societies. So kind of across the board, fairly universal, most people value, you know, kind of guiding principles that lead us towards caring for people who are close to us, which is really interesting. And then in contrast, values that express a motivation to dominate or control others are among the least important values to most people in most societies. There's a, some evolutionary theories behind this that we're going to get into later. But I thought that was interesting and helps to restore my faith in humanity, at mm. least a tiny bit to know that generally across the board, we're more motivated by wanting to help others and care for others than we are by wanting to dominate others.
1: That's yeah. good. I'm glad yeah. to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a continuation of the same research, but it basically is going to go into how people develop their values. So in this research, there are two perspectives that it takes to look at the forces that shape our values. So the first is phylogenetic perspective, which is basically just evolutionary perspective. So there are cross-cultural similarities in values because of our human need to survive and to survive together. So empirical research shows widespread pan-cultural agreements on the most important values. In one study of value hierarchies in 63 societies, researchers found that the two values that were almost always at the top of the hierarchy were benevolence and self-direction. And benevolence helps to maintain in-group cooperation, solidarity, and stability. That makes sense that it does.
0: Yeah, but then the self-direction is kind of a surprising one.
2: Yeah, that surprises me to hear that that's such a common one.
0: Well, people
1: yeah. want to be empathetic towards others, but also they want to like have their own lives. Their own autonomy. You know, yes. de- yeah. Life decision for themselves. Huh. Yeah, autonomy, yes. exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: I- I'm just going to directly quote from the study because I think they said it best. The high priority of self-direction is likely due to its importance for encouraging and supporting plasticity, by motivating mm. independent initiatives and novel ideas and solutions, because groups require both stability and plasticity in order to survive, these same two values are the most important in most cultures that have been studied. And that's that's really, really fascinating because I think that when I think about cultural values or cultural IQ or things like that... I often think about, you know, more individualistic cultures versus collectivist cultures. And in my brain sometimes it's a little bit of a black and white, it's either one or the other, but it's so interesting to see that actually it's kind of a little bit of both that are very very important to human beings because like they said, this need for caring for others, for the group to have cohesion, for us to feel like we can trust each other and we're benevolent to each other. But also this need that we're not like the Borg or the hive mind Mm. where we only think as a group and we're only motivated as a group that actually having that individual ability to be autonomous and self-direct means there's opportunities for unique ideas, new things to try, like independent initiatives that don't require the entire group behind it in order to, to survive and be as flexible as possible.
2: Mm. And that makes a lot of sense, too, if you think about kind of human evolution on that grand scale of, you know, using tools and developing new techniques and technologies and things like that, that if we all just did exactly the same thing as each other, we would never learn those things, that having that sort of freedom to experiment and be creative... That's cool. I like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like you need at least one person who's self directed enough to chip their rock in the right way to have a hand axe. And then everybody has a hand axe and it's great. And it's here we are today, human
1: beings. <laughs> human beings,
2: ladies and yeah. gentlemen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, that's I, interesting that, like, the good of or it, an understanding of one person can help all. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, mm-hmm. like, that self direction or yeah self efficacy like is needed in order for someone to like go that extra distance extra mile
0: yeah and i think this is relevant in relationships as well because i know what i think of as the healthiest relationships both require that sense of benevolence between partners that sense of trust and care as well as the ability to make independent decisions mm-hmm. you yeah. know and i think that we've seen relationships that maybe go a little too far in one direction or a little too far in the other direction of either it only becomes about caring for each other and not having any kind of independence like maybe it's a more toxic codependent relationship mm-hmm. versus like there's no cohesion in the relationship and yeah and we
2: both just you know we're all just yeah
0: completely yeah. at cross purposes potentially so that's really interesting yeah
2: okay so that was the phylogenetic Perspective, which is more about that evolutionary biology kind of stuff. The other perspective is ontogenetic or ontogenetic. Ontogenetic.
0: Ontogenetic. Ontogenetic. I like it.
2: (laughs) And ontogenetic, this has to do with basically the process of how we grow up. Technically, ontogeny, Hmm. I think is how you say it, it refers to like from the first cells joining all the way through the rest of our lives but generally basically it's oh did you just know that i I had to look it up to make sure i was correct but i do it it's the whole like ontogeny begets phylogeny or whatever there's some like
0: what are you talking about (laughs) is this like is do you have this cross dish on a pillow and i just didn't know that's awesome
1: i I wish i did though
0: no that's yeah ontogenesis Ontogenesis, the development of an individual Organism it's or anatomical or well. behavioral feature from the earliest stage to maturity. Wow, but on, amazing. Ontogeny
2: is also the word for that. I guess I'm not quite sure how the two different forms of that word are used separately.
0: According according to Google word usage, it really peaked, and I would say, well, what would I put this at? Maybe 1970 or so, and it's dropped off since then. So it's time to bring ontogenesis back. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I think that that it probably spiked around then, which is. Probably when that expression that I talked about, the ontogeny begets oh. phylogeny, or or it's indicates everybody phylogeny. Had it that's when everyone in house. exactly when the Etsy shop was selling all the pillows with that <laughs> cross stitched on it. Basically, it's the idea that if you look at the way a human embryo uh, grows in the womb, that that mirrors the way that we evolved over time like the tail being there and then disappearing and the idea that kind of our evolutionary history may be stored kind of in our ontogeny and the way that we actually like form and divide ourselves in the womb, which
1: is pretty wild. That's really cool. I don't don't know if that's
2: what, what scientists think of that now, but anyway, that's why I know the word ontogeny. That's
1: very very cool. Okay. So
2: bring it back to values. The point here, though, is that that first one was about more of like evolutionary biology, and this is more about your upbringing, right? How do you grow up to develop your own unique individual values as a person? The process of building values starts as early as five, according to the research, but they change and they stabilize during our adolescence and then don't majorly shift much once we reach adulthood, because often our values become such a core part of our identity that to change them would be, I guess, somewhat traumatic to our sense of self and our identity. Researchers have found that there is some biological and genetic basis to what shapes our values, since sometimes our values are shaped by personality and temperament. But the biggest factor is the environment that we're born into. So, our parents, our primary caregivers, are our main influence. I would say based on some other research just about child psychology, also our peer groups, especially early on, once we're in school more of the time than we're at home. And then as children, you know, we assess those values. We assess our parents' values, sometimes inaccurately. Sometimes we get values from them that are not actually Mm -hmm. their values. Same with our friends or our teachers or other role models. And then we choose to either adopt these or reject these based on how we feel about how those values work out for them.
0: And let me just testify this whole judging our parents' values and sometimes we oh. judge them inaccurately as children because oh, yeah? I'm currently going to joint therapy with my mother. That's a whole thing. I could probably record six episodes just about that. Uh-huh. I wish you would. <laughs> uh, but literally just in the last therapy session this came up where I had this realization moment when mom was sharing some stuff about, you know, me when I was little and kind of her stance on certain things where I was like, "Wow, I think I got some very I interpreted some very different messages about what my mom thought was important regarding a particular topic versus wow. what she was actually trying to convey or or give to me and it really blew the doors off my reality.
2: Gosh. Wow.
1: Okay. I remember her saying something about you to to me at one point about you as a young person <laughs> and I was just like, Uh-oh. that's not at all how I view Dedeker at all. <laughs> oh, I see. Well, oh, that's, yeah.
0: that's also the wild thing is I think sometimes parents inaccurately assess their yeah, own kids. Yeah. Oh, for you sure. Know? Or, like, well, and yeah. they have
1: their own cognitive biases about like, yes. what they expect or want us to be versus who we actually are. Yes.
0: Oh, yeah. That, that's been another interesting thing about oh, therapy I'm, is also sure. my hearing my mother's assessment of what. She thinks my values are sometimes it's accurate. Sometimes it's not right. Got it. sometimes grossly inaccurate. Sometimes just a little bit. I, it's wow, man, human beings. The <laughs> uh, way we see each other, we don't understand crap.
1: No, exactly. We're like terrible. <laughs> at it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. So let's try to answer the age old question. Do values ever change? So many people assume that it's easy to change your values. Like, isn't it just as easy as changing your priorities or your goals or whatever? Stuff like that. But it's not that simple. So research shows that adults really struggle with changing values, and they find it even more challenging than trying to change something like a personality trait, like introversion or extroversion. And research also shows that our values stay remarkably stable over time, but major life changes can shift them. Like I'm thinking about if you become polyamorous— And, you know, when you were a kid, you thought, I'm going to grow up and have a kid and have a husband and have a whatever. And then you become polyamorous and you're like, hmm, maybe I don't want those things anymore.
0: Well, I would call that a shifting goal rather than a shifting value, you know,
1: because. I think that some people see like it just when I think of somebody talking about like family values, that it is initially this idea like I'm going to grow up like my parents did They stayed together forever and had like a beautiful family. And like, that's what I value in life. I want the same thing that they had. And then ultimately that might change based on like, you know, your relationship style changing.
2: Yeah. Well, so I would, I would argue Dedeker that it's not just changing a goal or a priority
1: if if we're looking it's like changing a life trajectory, well, and if we're looking at
2: that second definition that we read, that's about what you use to evaluate how well your life is going or how successful it is. And I think for a lot of us, we were really brought up with those things like monogamy and parenting and certain types of relationships, being married, whatever, as a value of like we evaluate the success of our own lives based on those. So, I actually would say that those things yeah. do cross from just goal into being a value. And I wonder if that's part of why we talk about the unlearning process when switching to non monogamy mm. can sometimes be really difficult. And I wonder if this would be a future study how much of that could be, how much is based on it challenging and forcing you to re examine values versus just your goals or priorities.
1: Whoa,
0: That is interesting. There was a line in this meta-analysis that I didn't include because it was a little bit like a koan, like a Zen koan, a little confusing, (laughs) but I'm going to try to recreate it where they said something to the effect of all values can potentially be linked to goals, but not all goals equal values.
2: It's like an SAT question.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I want to write
1: a book as a goal, like, isn't necessarily a value.
0: Well, so, so Mm. the way that I think about this, okay, let's take that family example. Right. And I I think that two people could have the same, no, now I'm confusing myself. (laughs) Two, (laughs) Two people could have the same value. Let's say we both value stability Like, that's what motivates me in life. That's the most important thing for me is I want to make a life where stability is key. And one person could do that by recreating the life that they grew up with. Like, I really want to do exactly what my parents did and have the 2.5 kids and the house and, like, do all those things because that means stability to me. Or person B could be like, well, I want to have multiple relationships, but all of which are are not dramatic and not a lot of chaos, good communication, like stability motivates me toward that, that goal. And so these two people can have the same value, hmm. but a very different goal. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah different ways of, of achieving those values. Versus yeah.
0: versus, maybe someone has a value of traditionalism, where it's, I want to carry on the tradition yeah. that I get from my culture, from my parents, from my religion, whatever. And so therefore, if I find myself in a life situation where I'm having to really switch up tradition. You know, if it Mm. is, I thought I was on this trajectory of the classic monogamous marriage and 2.5 kids, and now I'm finding, wait, actually, maybe this other format for my life is different, that maybe Mm -hmm. that would be a little bit more jarring if your value was traditionalism. Mm. Like, maybe it would either, it would be maybe something that caused a lot of unhappiness for you if you found yourself not heading in that direction, or maybe it would be something where there would have to be much more of that unlearning process, like you said, of kind of a shift in values based on a life change, something like that. Yeah,
2: or finding a different way to honor your traditions, like a different facet for that rather than just in your relationships. Or I don't know, that is an interesting question of kind of, and I think it really varies based on what your value is around that and maybe reevaluating how you measure the value. Rather than just changing the value outright, that maybe it's looking at that of what are other ways I might be able to satisfy this value or, or evaluate it differently. Yeah, I don't know. that's a lot.
0: Yeah, not definitely. Wow. I know, right? That's why i no. off this topic. I feel so, like we're just convoluting
1: it rather no. than like, but we'll do we'll do a better job in the second <laughs> half. No, okay.
0: Okay, so, but to get back to what the research says about people changing their values is that, yeah, most of the research shows that they stay stable, but there can be major life changes that do shift them for people. The most striking example of this can be found in research of immigrants, actually. Mm-hmm. So people who move from their country of origin to a country that has different cultural values either drastically different cultural values from their country of origin or maybe just slightly different cultural values and in several studies there was a correlation between a high correlation between an individual's values shifting you know before and after immigrating so just for one example out of many studies there was a study of immigrants who went from Russia to Finland And it revealed changes in the personal values of these immigrants. After about 19 months in Finland, in particular, the importance of the value of universalism and security increased for people and the importance of power and achievement decreased. Now, this isn't necessarily a perfect metric. Again, this is correlation, not necessarily causation. There have been other studies where they found that sometimes people who immigrate to another country already have some of the values of their target country and that's maybe why they chose to immigrate and there's maybe a little bit of a self-selection process there but i think it is interesting that this you know a life change like a big move a big move into a different culture or even on a smaller level maybe a big move of corporate cultures of your workplace or mm-hmm. a big move yeah. of cultures in your you know the microculture of your family could possibly correlate to a shift in your personal values
2: I wonder if there's a value of being able to change your values versus a value of being rigid in your values.
0: There is. No, there is. There is. In the research, they call it openness.
2: Oh, OK. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Gosh. OK. So another thing that they found in these studies is basically studies have shown that deliberately trying to change the values of someone else basically is futile. It's not going to happen. Despite that being something that so many people try to do, we try to do it with our partners or our friends or our families, religions try to do it to large groups of people, but basically like trying to directly change the values of one other person, it's just not going to happen. So you're probably going to end up in a lot of frustration if that's what you're trying to do.
0: In the second half of the episode, we're going to start to get into the nitty gritty of some actual practical applications of this knowledge and some exercises that you can do to help determine what actually are your values. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsors for this week's episode. Get you not just the fifty percent discount, but also the one hundred percent free shipping. Code M U L T I.
2: And we're back to talk about what the heck are my values? Though I understand the circus of values, and I know true values, (laughs) but what are what are my
0: values?
1: What the heck are my values, though?
0: Yeah, nobody knows. (laughs) That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, So how do we determine? There are a billion kajillion exercises out there for figuring out your values. You know, if you just type into Google, what are my values or values exercise or values worksheet, literally billion kajillion, you're going to be spoiled for choice. I found a lot of them are not exactly robust. Some of them just amount to being presented with a long list of words, like value words, and then you're <laughs> told to just circle the ones that it's stand like a out drama to you. School. Almost, exactly. yeah. Like-
1: Yeah, like those those sheets of paper, like, what are you, what's your motivation? Or, yeah, Yeah, what's your verb? Your, like, action verb of what you're doing in the scene. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's kind of like
0: that. You get presented presented with this long list of value words, and then you're told, oh, just circle the ones that stand out to you, and then, yeah, those are your values. Great, done. Well done. (laughs) I don't think that's necessarily a terrible exercise. This could be a good place to start, a fairly low-impact place to start. But after reading and trying out several different exercises, the one that I liked the most was this exercise from mindtools.com, which I'm condensing and modifying a tiny bit here. So you can do this exercise alone. You might consider doing this exercise with a partner as well. If you're wanting to determine what your shared relationship values are, I highly recommend getting a writing instrument and just taking a little bit of time to think about these questions. All right, here we go.
1: Everyone grab your pencils. Okay. So identify, this is number one, step number one. Identify some times in your life where you were the happiest. What were you doing? Were you with other people? Who were you with? And what factors were contributing to your happiness? That's number one.
0: So I immediately, the first thing that came to mind for me was when I first started traveling back in 2015. Mm-hmm. I figured and, you were going to say that. Yeah. And I spent a month by myself in Athens. and So your I values don't know. are being a nomad. Away from
1: everyone. No, I'm kidding.
0: Well, I don't know if I would point to that as like the happiest moment of my life necessarily, but I don't know, there was something about that time where I just had a lot of free time mm. and and also had some good savings in the bank. And so I was able to have a lot of free time just like working on rioting and going to the cafe and taking a nap in the middle of the day and <laughs> just Sounds kind great. of floating around and petting stray cats and stray tortoises all over Athens and mm. and it was great. So I I yeah. We can interpret you, what John? that means later <laughs> yeah. okay. okay. this okay. exercise.
1: Okay. Let's go to number two. Identify some times in your life where you felt proud. Why were you proud? Did other people share your pride? Hmm. This is an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like
2: what comes to mind for me is times when I feel like, like, I feel like I did something that helped someone like that. Someone mm. said later, like, wow, this, this thing that you did really helped me. Like for me, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine told me in, in a birthday message, there's this cute video thing that, that Dedeker and another partner of mine put together where they interviewed a lot of people in my life about like what I meant to them. It was very sweet But in one of them, one of my friends talked about something from years ago, from like 10, 11 years ago that didn't even really occur to me so much as like I was doing some big thing. But to him, that was really meaningful at the time. And so that was something that really I felt very, very proud of, I guess, and very happy that I had done something that helped someone I cared about and made their life better in a way that to him was really profound and wasn't about like me like just accomplishing something but really having that impact on someone so i don't know i guess that's That's what comes to mind for me there
1: all right number three identify the times when you were the most fulfilled and satisfied what need or desire was fulfilled how and why did this contribute meaning to your life Hmm. like for all of these i'm just like performing (laughs) performing. but really what about that for you yeah Yeah,
2: how and why did this contribute meaning to your life
1: Yeah, I think that's a good question. It just felt fulfilling in a way that so many other things, like, don't quite check that box for me for whatever reason. Like, working on something and getting to, like, be on stage specifically or, you know, when I was in Shanghai, like, doing that and, like, really, like, meaningfully having performance in some fashion like even this to a degree kind of fulfills that which is really nice for me thanks everyone for listening (laughs) to me talk for like an hour every week but i appreciate (laughs) it because it is nice to get to like be expressive in that way i'm a very like expressive person with my body and with my voice and stuff like that whereas You know, my mom is an artist and I can't freaking do that for the life of me. Mm. Or even my partner's super good at decorating. He is. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just like throwing shit on the walls. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, the visual arts are not my thing, but performative very much. Hmm. Cool. All right. Number four, looking over the things you wrote, are there any common themes what has been the most important to you? This is the stage where it can be helpful to consult a list of value words. Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> for example, empathy, independence, freedom, consistency, love, joy. Oh,
0: there's a billion lists out there. If I bet there are. If you just look for a list of value words, you'll find so many. And
1: pick out as many or as few make sense and then condense into a list or hierarchy from there. Hmm. Okay.
2: Yeah. yeah, so a hierarchy too of kind of then which ones do you like yeah. double underline and which ones are like,
0: mm, yeah, maybe that. Oh, gosh. Okay, I forgot about the hierarchy part. From, yeah, I... from the stuff that I quickly wrote down and jotted down, you know, the recurring themes for me were freedom mm. and then uh, achievement slash accomplishment. Mm. And then I also wrote down play. Actually really resonated with what you shared, Emily, about performing because I thought yeah. about when I was dancing professionally and... Mm. So much of that wasn't necessarily about expression, but was about play, like play for myself and also playing with others. Yeah, that's
1: cool. That kind of surprised me, actually. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that very much. If I had
0: to put him in a hierarchy, I guess it'd probably be freedom first, play second, and then maybe achievement. But I think I got to sleep on that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I like that, though. That's great. It's interesting, too, because I find myself that one of the example words here is consistency. And I find for me, I'm like, no, that's really not and it and it like consistency or sort of a regular pattern of life is not high for me but then when i look at my brother i i know that that's huge for him of like yeah. having a consistency and having a routine and that for him when things break that up it's more stressful and for me if they mm. stay to the same it can be stressful so it's that's really interesting yeah. just kind of noticing where that might fit for me versus other people that i am close to
1: yeah that's really cool okay and finally Number five, the step number five is reaffirming. So when I look at this list of values, do they make me feel good about myself? Am I proud of my top three values? Hmm. Would I be comfortable and proud to tell these values to people that I respect and admire? Do these values re- represent things I would support, even if my choice isn't popular and it puts me in the minority? Ooh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's-, that's like my mom saying, like, have some fucking conviction. Like, that's exactly <laughs> uh-huh. You know, to me, what that entails to a degree, because, yeah, I I think a lot of people are like worried about saying what really makes them tick and, and what's really important to them. But if if you have conviction about it, then you should be proud, proud of what what matters to you. Yeah, I also think
2: about this idea of is this value something that that you would make that decision, even if everyone around you told you that was the wrong decision. Sure. So that's that's interesting too. Like how much do you believe in this thing? Maybe maybe that would help sort of in determining the hierarchy too. Yeah. That's cool. So then the part of this that doesn't that it doesn't talk about, but I feel like this reaffirming step is kind of getting at a little bit, is maybe starting to ask that question of are these values that I have actually something that I value? <laughs> or mm-hmm. or is there perhaps a mismatch? Have I maybe just kind of kept some values around that don't truly resonate for me that, that aren't, you know, that that don't fall into that category of like, this is a fundamental core part of my being and how I evaluate my life. And maybe this is just a value that I've been told is good, but it's not something that I value for its own sake. And I think that's, that's the question that this all kind of gets to, right? When we talk about defining your own Mm -hmm. values is, is also looking at that. So one other thing we wanted to talk about here is an alternate approach to this. So this tool relies on looking back on the past, right? Remembering these experiences that you've already lived to mine it for information. And that can be very helpful and very fruitful for some, but maybe for others, that's not as helpful depending where you are in your life.
0: Yeah. I, I know some people might be like, I don't think I've ever felt, felt, Really fulfilled and satisfied in yeah, my life. Yeah, that's
1: an interesting point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So
0: it's hard to look back on that and say and point at something in particular. So I have a pet theory, and this this is not an exercise or a tool or whatever that I found. Like this is just kind of a little bit based on some Gottman stuff, but mostly from my own brain head theory, uh-huh. a little research lab that's bouncing around in my brain. So the Gottman Institute. Has an existing exercise that they recommend for couples, and it's not about values. They don't really talk a lot about values in any of their materials. It's about dreams. 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 Not like nighttime yeah. dreams,
2: but like, no, no, a, dream no. a, like okay. a
0: dream is a wish your heart okay. makes. Disneyland. A dream is a wish your heart makes. Exactly. Go. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, they put a lot of emphasis on dreams, life dreams, things like that. So the exercise that they have, it boils down to essentially, each person thinks about their life dreams, not necessarily the tangible stuff like goals, but the more deeper existential stuff. And they do include a list of examples to get people started. So, just a few examples from their list are things like a dream to have more freedom, to experience mm. peace, to go on a spiritual journey, to be powerful and influential, to build something important, so on, so on. So, kind of, again, getting to these deeper things. And so, what the couple does is, is each person picks out a few of these or they come up with their own and then you and your partner take turns asking each other open-ended questions about these things. Mm. You know, Is this connected to your childhood? Is there a story behind this? What would happen if you couldn't fulfill this dream? Is there a deeper purpose in this for you? And this is an exercise that I do frequently with my clients, particularly with couples who are in some kind of gridlocked conflict with each other, because this is a mm. good way of just getting people to have dialogue, even if it's not about decision-making or coming up with an agreement or a boundary or something like that. It is literally just an open-ended dialogue. And when I was doing research for this episode, I started to realize that a lot of the sample dreams that the Gottmans give and also a lot of the conversations that I see my clients have sounds a lot like talking about personal values. Yeah. So I started to kind of crystallize this theory that there's a, a personal value, life, dreams, continuum, connection, something or other there. I
2: see. So you're saying someday we'll find it. The personal value, life, dreams, continuum, connection.
0: Yes. Okay. The Gottmans, Multiamory, and me. <laughs> okay.
2: Perfect. Oh my
1: God. Wow. Alrighty. So for some people, instead of looking back on the past, it can be more insightful to instead look ahead to the future and all of the things that you're aspiring to be, dreams to, to get, to want. Yeah, your dreams. Yeah. So the things that you're yearning for can contain clues as to what motivates you, what is most important, and what guides you.
0: Yeah, I think even if you haven't realized that dream yet, or you're not even sure how that dream gets realized, I, I think that's some juicy information in
2: yeah. there. For sure, It it reminds me a little bit of an exercise that a friend of mine taught me about years ago that he does every New Year's, like in place of New Year's resolutions, is he makes a list that's to to have, to do, and to be. And you write down Mm. in the next year, these are the things I want to have, these are the things I want to do, and these are the things I want to be. And I, I think that's also another interesting way of just kind of breaking you out of the box. If you think dreams, maybe you just go to all like... I want to do this thing, do this thing, do this thing, rather than also thinking about, well, what do I want to have? Like, I want to have a stable relationship or I want to have, you know, more friendships or what do I want to be? It's like I want to be a more compassionate person or I want to be a more independent person, you know, whatever it is that just Mm -hmm. I like those prompts because it helps you kind of get out of just one way of thinking about dreams or goals and kind of expands it. So that's also something you could add to this to kind of help you help you think of some things.
0: Yeah, I like that. Thank you for coming along with us in this Circus of Values journey. <laughs> Thank you Amazing. to all of you out there who know true values. In our bonus episode, we are gonna be talking about a values journaling exercise and how it can help you to manage stress. So we also wanna hear from all of you. How do you define personal values. Is there something that you think that we missed? We're going to be posting that to our Instagram stories so that you can answer it and let us know. The best place to share your thoughts about this episode also with other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group or Discord chat. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash Multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvinera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our production assistants are Rachel Schenewerk and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com